Well, hey, everybody. I'm on the line with Bishop Bart Pierce from Rock City Church in Baltimore. I'm so excited today because what I've been really leaning into and listening for is not just the news and kind of getting updated on current events of what's happening with this pandemic, but I've been trying to hear the prophetic voices that are trusted and have um, demonstrated integrity in that gifting of that office they've called them to. And so Bishop Bart Pierce is definitely one who carries a great anointing, an apostolic and a prophetic gift that I believe is going to be a gift and a blessing to us today. So Bishop, it's so good to have you with us. Pastor, good to see you. It was great having you with us recently. I know. It's such a trip because when I was there, that's when all this started to happen. Right. We started to discuss this in real time. Right. So that's why I really wanted to get you in on here because I believe some leaders really need to hear what you have to say and what God has been showing you and showing you. Now, during that time when I was with you, there was things that you were getting right away about what is happening um, besides just what's happening, right? There's, there's, like you were saying, there's something in the first heaven, and that's where we're experiencing mo most of the things. But uh, there, there was something that God was beginning to show you. Would you share a little bit of that, what God was showing you right away in light of this pandemic and what was happening and even some of the ways they were asking, you know, mouths to be covered and things like that. You know, what was God showing you through that prophetically? Well, again, when, when God speaks to me, it always has that prophetic lens to it. Mm -hmm. So I kind of see things always through that eye. And as soon as this thing began to break, and this was back in January, I began to pick up pieces of it coming that there were things coming that we need to be ready. Then I knew that I was on target with the message of, of spiritual warfare. Right. And our people were getting ready to enter into a 21 day of fasting as well, a Daniel fast. So I knew that all these pieces were connecting. And then back in 2018, the last day, which we call watch night service, the transition between one year to the new, uh, and that night, just before we stepped into 2019, it's on video, God spoke to me. I was preaching along, and the Lord said that there was a virus coming, and that virus would come from outside the United States, and that virus would cause a war, a shaking attitude to take place, mm -hmm. and that God said some other things connected to it in reference to President Trump. But this point right here is that when that word came, it said that they wouldn't even know what to call this virus or how to identify its effects. Now that's clear. And right. then again in 2019 into 2020, God spoke again to me that we were getting ready to go into a shift, a change that was going to affect the whole globe. So we kind of had a forewarning of these things, not so much the detail. Right. And then as we stepped into spiritual warfare, then we stepped into uh, an understanding of our fasting, which led me to this. Uh, I, I believe that, that God wants us to be practitioners more than theorists. Yeah. And in that mindset, what I, what I mean by that is simply this, is that God's people must be like the sons of Issachar. We must know the times and the seasons. But it says, really, we must know the times and what to do in the season. 
Mm. Now, see, that, that's a different attitude. When you know the season is spring, okay, well, you, you kind of know uh, the weather changes. Yep. But if you're like me, I love gardening. So I got my tulips in the ground last year. And at the end of the year, I got things ready. I'm already doing things. I've snipped all my rose trees back because I know the season we're getting ready to go into, but I know what to do in the season. Right. And that's where God gave me the strategy. And I began to look at this picture when people would say the coronavirus has hit uh, Wuhan uh, in China. And uh, when I saw the pictures of everybody with their mask on, you see, this is the year, Hebrew year, of the open mouth. And, and I, 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 Pastor Jamie, I saw this and I said, God, you're saying this if we'll see this. And they've now said medically, it doesn't help. It helps the, the doctor because the doctor is in so close proximity to the, to the patient and that kind of thing. But the average Joe walking down the street does not need that mask. And so what I saw was the enemy comes when it's the year of the open mouth. And it has to be the year of the open mouth. In the letter of the Hebrew, there's another letter inside the letter that means house. What God was saying to me was it's not only the year of the open mouth in the church, it's the open mouth in your house. So I began to prophesy that God was going to put us in a place in our houses that we had to open our mouths. Wow. Well, now we're, we're all tied up in our houses. Quarantine, and, yeah. and yet God showed us that that mask has to come off of the mouth of the church. We right. have to speak the word of the Lord. Wow. And then I think we need to put the mask on our ears so we don't hear the garbage. <laughs> but <laughs> get the mouth opened up so we can speak and then the next thing that i understand with that just that piece is that god's people are not often ready mm. we're like the foolish the virgin the wise and the foolish we really don't keep our lamps lit like we should mm. and because of that oftentimes the scripture is fulfilled when it says and these things can take you as a thief in the night or can come upon you in 20 in a day or can you know come upon you suddenly and i i think god's people were and what i was saying to our people is you need to get ready now and that was back in january and then now keeping it going um there are people that are finding themselves in very challenging moments but i begin to tell and have said for years to our people that you should have your uh things your house in order financially you should have your house in order so those things and so i believe that that god showed us that this virus has some some prophetic symbols if we'll look at them about how we should be ready what's the biggest issue right now these hospitals were not ready right america was not ready for a pandemic they mm -hmm. were not ready and and yet we've had many of these before uh, the Spanish flu, the, the uh, bi bionic, bionic plague, all these things. And, and I, I have a concern, and I'll just say this, uh, is that when we're not concerned, we're not also equipped. Concern means we're not prepared, so we're not concerned of what God's doing. 
and, and then we're not prepared. Mm-hmm. And I think that puts us in a dangerous place. And, and God's people uh, get overwhelmed and get in fear because we're not ready for what God is doing. Uh, getting money put aside, uh, getting your bills in order. And uh, I will say something in a minute as we get to some of your other questions, I believe, is where we are today in reference to that point. Yeah, so you, you also said during that time with the, the open mouth and the mask, um, you also said that what's more dangerous than this virus was actually the spirit of fear that was released. Do you want to say anything about that? Yeah, you know, again, when you aren't prepared for something is the easiest door opener for fear to come in. Mm. Uh, when you're prepared, uh, I, I surfed all over the world as a young man in, in large waves from Hawaii to Africa and in between Australia. And, and so I was in a circuit they call pro surfing and I dealt with a lot of radical issues. You made reference to a message on it recently. Mm-hmm. And, and when that comes up, see, we were prepared for a surprise, we call them a set of waves. Mm-hmm. You can be out surfing in places where they're beautiful waves. It can be six, to eight foot, no problem, and be that way for hours. And all of a sudden, they call it a cleanup say, uh, swell or set. All of a sudden, a wave comes in that's a rogue wave, and it's 10 foot. Well, you look down the beach, and every surfer is up on the beach, boards broke, everything wiped out because they weren't ready for that bigger wave that was coming. And so as a surfer, but as a born again believer, as a prophet, as a pastor, all those pieces, I believe we conquer fear. We overcome by the blood of the lamb, by the blood of the lamb, and that we love not our lives, but the death. I believe that strongly, but I believe that we can, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Now, those things, sound mind has to do with your emotions, has to do with your will and your suke, which is your will. That's your mind, your will, and your emotions. And the way you overcome fear is that you're better equipped. The more equipped you are for the day you live in, then fear has a harder time to break into your soul. That is so good. Yeah, I just actually thought that what I shared with at your church was the first place I actually shared that whole thing on surfing and you just added so much to it, but you're a very prophetic house and creative house. And then, um, then I found myself even sharing that this last Sunday, because I believe we are surfing a wave of transition or the waters of transition. Now, um, what are you sensing for churches like ours in inner cities like Baltimore and Philadelphia. Is there anything sen- you're sensing that we need to, like you were saying, be better equipped for and prepared for in light of what's been happening, whether we prepared for it ahead of time or not? Yeah, I would say, Jamie, I, I've been in this city for 38 years, of course, and pastoring. And I've pulled, uh, we had a network of over 385 pastors working together for years and uh, of every kind of group. And, uh, and I, I really believe what happens in a time like this, a crisis like this, is that it should draw us together. You saw in 9-11 how every group came together, whether it was the fire, police, and those government working with uh, local governments and nonprofits working. And our church, let, let me just explain this little piece, give me a a better statement on the bigger picture. As soon as this 
started to happening, my church, I began to shift gears because as you know, we feed a lot of people. We have the largest food for free uh, distribution center in our church at a warehouse I built on our property of the whole state of Maryland. And during Hurricane Sandy, we put 11 tractor trailer loads of food before FEMA got there. Our trucks were at Staten Island before FEMA ever showed up. Mm. And, and so in 9-11, uh, and as well as in uh, Katrina down in New Orleans, that's been our MO for a long time. And so in that setting, what we did immediately is we began to go to the uh, guys that run the warehouse and said, okay, let's shift gears. We're now today feeding 40, over 40,000 families a month. Mm, wow. And, and that is, that's a major amount of food of actually feeding people. Now, on the same hand, farms and major food chains who have been put in an awkward position, they understand that this is your season to give. This is your season to, you know, be charitable. Right. And uh, so they've opened up just a floodgate. We just got a tractor trailer the other day with hundreds of pounds of cabbage and carrots and, and squash and eggplants. And, and we're even getting a, a lobster from uh, the Red Lobster Organization. So God makes you ready because you're already there in a regular basis. It's easy to ramp up when you're doing something already. I can pray more intently because I've been praying. Mm. If I haven't been praying and got to pray like I have to pray today, that's a wake-up call. And so it, with that in mind, we also opened our church to our school. We've had to close, but we are now a provider through the state, through our area for first responders children. And so they gave us, they had just been out in January of all times and inspected my building and said six of my classrooms were going to be able to be used uh, in any capacity for the state would uh, give me a license for those six rooms. Well, we've opened those rooms up now. We're receiving, they're coming in today even more, we're receiving first responders, that's, you know, police, fire, medical, EMT, uh, those type of people, doctors, etc. And we've opened up the church. So I would say to the churches, what do you do? We don't want to hide. When this is all done, you don't want to be called the hidden church. Mm, wow. we, we need to get out of the cave like Elijah. He ran in the cave from who? Jezebel. Right. So one of those spirits chased him into the cave and God comes up and says, Hey, uh, son, what are you doing in here? Right. If God has to ask you, why are you somewhere? You got to know that you're not where you're supposed to be. Right. And so, uh, you know, I really hear God saying that the church in our cities needs to not hide. That's the first thing. Yeah. Find out what your church can do. How can you feed? How can you help? What can you do to get in this thing? We have to be, when this is all done, we don't want to just be the live video stream church. Right. We want to be that church that people could touch. Wow. People could really embrace. And so I believe all over America, churches need, I'm not saying you violate your state rules and, right. and about assembly. That's, that's an individual's choice of whatever you want. In my case, uh, I'm not violating the gathering. I'm videoing out of my church live stream, but I'm not violating the gathering. 
factor that my governor uh, has asked for. So I'm trying to be respectful, but at the same time, what it's done, it's opened up these other venues that I'm still a voice in the community. I'm still touching people. And when this is all done, people are gonna say, wow, I know one thing, in the crisis, that church was there. Wow. You know, what does it say about brothers? Brothers are born for- Built for adversity, yes. Adversity. And I believe, uh, if I could say this, Jamie, that you being with us and us together there at this door was really something that God was trying to speak to us about. Mm. And I believe that. I believe that Philadelphia and Baltimore have great things in common and can have great relationships. Yeah. And uh, revivals of the past came through Philadelphia and came to Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And I believe we can see something happen. But I believe pastors have to wake up and decide that it, it's, it's, it wasn't good that they weren't ready. Yeah. But now it's time. Open that church up and ask God, show me how I can help people. If it's nothing but going to widows, uh, elderly people, carrying them meals. Uh, whatever God would open up for us, I believe it's our opportunity. That's so good. And it's very practical. It's, it's, you know, a lot of people are scrambling to get their, um, their balance on how they're communicating and doing their services and all that things that affected by that. But I, I, I feel like the, that word on just how do you assemble, how, how do you connect besides with your congregants? How do you connect with other leaders? And how do you serve your community in unique, innovative ways, which you guys have already been doing, but some people might find themselves scrambling to begin to go there. So what a good word. Now, you shared a little bit about how that's what God showed you when I was first there. I'm curious as to, is there any fresh revelation you've been getting as of now? I think that was about three weeks ago, yeah. and now we're three weeks later. Is there anything current that God is showing you with this? Well, yeah, I, I think really there's a, there's a key aspect here. And, and we need to really look at the word on these kind of things. And uh, I believe we need to realize that what this is. And so if I can, I'll just say for a minute, First Thessalonians 5, 1 through 6, and especially verse 3, but it's repeated. One of the most repeated lines of scripture throughout the Bible Every time there was a challenge that came to Israel, every time there was a challenge that came to the people of God as a, as a group, these, this sentence, this statement comes up repeatedly. You find it all through the scripture. It's this. In chapter 3, it says that this event, this time, is like a woman who's in labor pains. Uh, and it's like a woman in labor pains about to give birth. It's over and over repeated. But here's my point for it is, I, I began to seek God from those days, three weeks and even earlier, saying, Lord, what is today? I believe we're looking at this word. This is what the word that God gave me. He gave me the word recover. Recover. Now everybody's asking, you know, how are we going to recover from this financially? How are we going to recover from this physically? How do you, if I get it, how do I recover? We're talking about recovering our churches. We're talking about recovering everything. 
So when I heard the word, God spoke to me early, about 4.30 in the morning, and said, recover. And I woke up, went to my study, and began to hear a download. And that word recover is this, is that when a woman is pregnant, she has what's called a contraction. Now, you've you're got a bunch of kids. I, I got kids and grandkids and all that. And my wife, your wife, understands that term contraction. Mm-hmm. I believe, first of all, Jamie, I'm going to say this very clear. I believe this is a major uh, 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 a contraction of eschatology portion, meaning in time type of portion. This is a major contraction. Is it the mm-hmm. first one? I don't think so. Is it <clears throat> the end? No. It is a contraction. And watch, when a contraction happens, and the woman's body is going through all this, and she's being told to push, and that means pray. She's been told to really, come on, put your body into it. Get your body behind this. The next thing that happens is calm comes. And that calm comes, there's a calm before the next contraction. Mm. And the Lord spoke to me and said that we need to see ourselves in this last, in these days, that we are in a contraction. Now, what are we going to contract to do? We're going to give birth to something. I don't know if it's the, it depends on how somebody believes, I guess. Is this the end time uh, uh, apocalyptic uh, event? Uh, is this uh, revival? I don't know which way that falls because like many parents, I don't know the baby is a male or a female mm. necessarily. So I don't know what's getting birth yet. And the Bible says clearly, no man knows the hour and the time. Right. So is it the time that Jesus is coming back? I hope so, but I don't know. But I do know this is a contraction. After this contraction, and it will end, it will end suddenly. Hmm. It will end with a little taper. It'll end. And then when it does, the next thing is a calm. Now that calm means something because what's coming to a pregnant woman is she's preparing herself another contractions coming right and that one may be worse and that one may be faster mm-hmm. so are the contractions that are in front of us going to come faster yeah a whole lot faster are they going to be more severe than this one yeah wow because what we have to see though is you'll get through the contraction mm. what do you do in the middle and here's the word god took the world and stopped it Hmm. and said i'm giving you time the most precious commodity on anybody's mind is how much time do i have Hmm. is this the end if i get sick is is this the end of my time so time now here's what god did you have people in church and all over the world griping and complaining. They got no time. They got no time for this. They got no time for that. They don't have time, blah, 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 blah. And God said, okay, <laughs> look at Italy. Look at your highways. Look at the New York. Look at the uh, uh, Interstate 95. I mean, it's unbelievable. I drove to church Sunday morning to, to do my broadcast video stream. I couldn't believe how many cars were gone. Right. And God said, I've given this time. It's coming, Jamie. Pastor Jamie, it's coming. It's calm. And God's going to let us have a calm period where we must do this. Listen to this. 
Ephesians 5 says, redeem the time. Why? For the days are evil. Wow. Notice that redemption of time is connected in the same sentence of the days are evil. Wow. So redeeming time is always done when you're in a time of evil over the world. And we are in that time. This is a very serious time. And God said, what are you doing? I believe it's time to pray. I believe it's time to turn our homes back into worship centers. Our homes need to become places. I believe dads and moms need to be worship leaders in their homes. And I, I believe it's time for uh, laughter to come back. People have forgotten how to laugh. Mm. I, I believe it's time for uh, people to uh, really get their finances in order. Right. I'm a strong proponent of financial uh, uh, stewardship. And I've been good with, you know, I don't, I, I don't have a car payment. I don't have a house payment. And, you know, God put me in a position knowing that a day would come where I, I, I have the means to stay in this day. Because, not because I want to survive, because I have a purpose. Right. The only reason I have money is to create the wealth for God's kingdom so I can do what God's called me to do. So I believe it's a time. Mm. I believe it's a time coming if we don't use this time right look there's a time for you and me to spend more time studying and not just picking up messages from all kinds of things right. i believe it's a time for us to get pastors and leaders need to get serious about that prayer yeah and not be so busy running helter skelter that they mm -hmm. can't spend time with him and i believe god said i hear your prayer I'm going to give you calm between the next contraction. Wow. And the next contraction, Jamie, is coming. Wow. I don't, it might not come in my lifetime. Mm. Because a day to the Lord is a thousand, thousand is the day. So I don't know. But I tell you this, it's changing everything about my way that I communicate to everything around me what I'm doing. Yeah. Because I know that I know that I know there's a contraction coming. But yep. before it, our God, if you read Ezra, Ezra is the greatest portion of scripture. And, and it says that they, they had this, you know, they were coming out of, Ezra had the assignment to bring Israel out of Babylon. Right. And it says he had to go and figure out how to go, how to, what path, because there was crooks and robbers and thieves along the road. And it says what he did was he fasted and prayed. And he told the people, we must seek the Lord for direction. Oh God, we must seek him today for direction. Then it says that he did the most amazing thing is Ezra, as he you know, was planning this and as he was seeking God in this, he, he stops uh, and, and he tells the people of God that the hand of God, it's two hands of God. Somebody asked me the other day and I preached it on Thursday night uh, a week ago. I, uh, somebody asked me, is this judgment? And I said, well, yes, this is judgment. How is it not judgment when all these people around the globe are dying? 200,000, 300, 500, 600, whatever it goes to a million. Th this is judgment. But here, God is a two-handed God. And Ezra said there was a hand of judgment over those that wouldn't listen. And then there was a hand of grace and mercy over those that fasted and obeyed. 
Wow. And I believe in this transition right now, in this time of, of contraction to a period of calm, mm -hmm. I believe these two hands are going to determine how you and I come out of it. Is it the hand of grace or is it going to be the hand of judgment? Yeah. And God said, I've given you time, redeem it, buy it back, use mm -hmm. the time so it's valuable. Yeah, this is so sobering what you're sharing, but it's so um, real. And I know there's going to be a lot of people that are listening to this that are um, from different places and maybe congregants, but I, I even feel like what you're sharing is at a leadership level, people need to be hearing that so that that begins to spark what they do next in light of the calm that we're going into. Absolutely. Um, so really profound. Last question I have for you is on the lines of just are there other prophetic perspectives that you've been um that you kind of lean into or, or listen to um that are that just you can trust them you respect them uh whether they're old or new prophetic voices and are they saying anything currently that is really resonating with you that maybe other people also need to pay attention to well, I, I, I tend to do two things, and you described it. I look because I feel like I'm a student of revival mm -hmm. uh, because I was influenced by so many people that uh, one of the men that prayed over me and laid hands on me uh, had John G. Lake in his home and it, when he was a young boy, and he laid hands on that man who laid hands on me. Another lady that I grew up around, and she influenced my life prophetically, had uh, Smith Wigglesworth in her home as a young girl and he prayed over her and she prayed for me. So there's a real revival sense and a connection for me there. I feel that it's a transference of that anointing. Yeah. So I always look to the fathers. I always look to the fathers and we live in a uh, generational gap today that disturbs me a little bit yeah. and causes me some concern. And uh, we need to look to the fathers. Now the fathers have to be responsible. And we need to look to fathers. And I look back to people like Derek Prince and others, the fathers of the faith that in times past, uh, these are men that uh, really uh, heard God and heard God in troubling times. These are men that came through World War II. And I look to men that were alive during the uh, Great Depression because what you said a minute ago is, is real as far as I'm concerned being a person involved in economics and teach it. And I've owned my own loan companies and things. So I've worked in that area for a long time. And one of the things that comes to me is, is the fact that uh, if you look back in 38 and so forth, when the great depression happened, uh, that there's a, uh, again, a, a gap in the church's mindset about what to do and how to be prepared in those days. And, and we need to hear what the father said. Mm. And the fathers were talking about 1906. My Lord, we had earthquakes in San Francisco and fires. Where's the largest earthquake ever recorded in Alaska? We had all these major breakdowns in the culture and society. Drinking, uh, the uh, average age of a drunk was 10 years old in London mm. uh, in the 1856s and, and, and so forth. So in that setting, we need to go back to the fathers. And some of the ones, as I mentioned, uh, Eric Prince and, and uh, Derek Prince, I'm sorry, and uh, Smith Wigglesworth and these kind of men, they were pioneers of troubled times in the past. And so for me, I, I respect and look there. 
And there's others, even in our more contemporary field of time, uh, still that I would respect and listen to uh, in these days uh, that are the older men. And, uh, and then there's uh, some prophets today that I believe uh, hear from God. And I believe they're, they're speaking on behalf of what God is saying. And uh, I, I think there's a lot of those. I think you have to be uh, very selective. Yeah. Uh, I think you have to have some relationship. Uh, I always base my hearing on those current contemporaries, those that I can somehow have a relationship with. And uh, so I believe there are voices today and I encourage people to listen intently, but make sure it lines up with the book. Make yeah. sure it lines up with the scripture mm-hmm. and make sure that uh, it, it lines up with relational things that these are people that somebody speaks into their life. See, the word recover, I mentioned a minute ago, mm-hmm. I believe there's a whole host of people that need to be re-covered. Wow. Recovered. Like David said, cover my head, Lord, in the day of battle. Well, there needs to be people that will recover. In other words, come back and let somebody speak into your life. And uh, I had a prophet call me from Canada uh, uh, Thursday. And uh, he's an older gentleman. Him and I uh, love to fish for salmon, fly fishing up there in Vancouver. And this is a real prophet, a real prophet of God. And it was in the latter rain movement in Canada. And he's very, very elderly today and and a little feeble. But God spoke to him to call me. And and these men uh, like that, uh, these are men that are off the beaten path of the circuit rider types. Mm. And, And, you know, when you're riding on the circuit so hard, you don't have time to eat. And you don't have time to pray a lot. And sometimes you have to come off the circuit so that you can hear God. Wow. At Kings, first Kings, what is it? 18, 16 says the Lord told Elijah, hide yourself. The next chapter says, go show yourself. Mm. There's a time to hide before you show. Mm. And I believe that's what God's doing. He's letting some of these old prophets and you got to know who they are. See, that's relationship. Yeah. I can call people today that are, these are men, these are men and women that have walked with God 60, 70, 80, 90 years, and they still hear God, but they're not trying to ride a circuit any longer. Right. And I, so without saying names, I I think that gives you, as your listeners, I I think it gives them a um, kind of a, checklist of how they should go about pursuing those that they might listen to. Yeah, no, that's, that's perfect. It's good to know that that's still in your world because you're that to so many other people and it's good for people to uh, observe what they have around them relationally and not just, you know, people that are detached from their situation, but in their lives um, accessible that are having a voice to speak and to cover them in their time of battle, in yeah. this time of crisis. 
Bishop, I'm so glad that you were able to be on here to share. You are definitely a, a prophetic voice. You, you, you have something to impart and to share into this generation. And I'm just glad to be able to sit at your feet and other people are able to hear this as well. Would you do us some uh, favor before you go? Would you like, would you just pray um, over this time and pray for the people that are listening during this time? Father, I thank you as we have enjoyed our time here talking. And Lord, thank you once again for this period of isolation that would even open up this kind of uh, vehicle of communicating to so many and uh, to so many people through this electronic medium. And Lord, what you've done, you've flooded the airwaves. Oh God, thank you that there's never been a day like this day that the airwaves are filled of, with the glory of God. And Lord, I thank you that the first telegraph that came from Baltimore to Washington, D.C., simply typed in and sent that signal, what God hath wrought. Lord, what you are doing today is you're filling the airways. And I pray for those listening, those watching right now, that God would fill the airways uh, with the truth, with the living voice of God through the rhema and through the logos uh, word of God and through the voice of prophets uh, and pastors uh, and elders and teachers uh, and apostles and, and so those gift ministries. God, let those men and women be a clear clarion voice in this day. And Father, I pray lastly for your listeners, uh, those that are there and those uh, that are, are part of this and for Pastor Jamie here. Lord, I just pray the peace of God. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Mm. Would overshadow your listeners. And I thank you, Lord. We're going to come out of this contraction. We're not going to give birth yet. But we are going to find time again. And we're going to spend it well in the calm before the next contraction. I bless your people today in Jesus' name. Amen.